Lord, just thank you for this guy and thank you for his family. Thank you for all the uh, craziness that he's been doing this week and giving out. And uh, Lord, he's probably feeling absolutely shattered this morning. Lord, may you give him completely new uh, re- revitalization and energy this morning. Lord, may he speak with passion. May he say the words that you want him to say. And may uh, he just connect with us this morning. Lord, thank you for this man. Thank you for what he does behind the scenes up front. And thank you for his love of you as well. Lord, speak through him this morning to us. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. Thanks, Andy, for hosting this morning. And thank you also to our worship team uh, for um, leading us so beautifully into God's presence. It's, I love it when God brings a plan together. Uh, some of what I want to say this morning that I felt that the Lord asked me, uh, prompted me as I was planning and preparing this week, just really lines up with some of the songs that were sung and even some of the testimony that... Um, that's been shared. So that's just fantastic. Now, I wonder if you can turn to the person next to you. Oh, no, actually, first, before you do that, I wonder if you can just have a think um, about the first time you ever came to church here on a Sunday morning. Just think back to the first time you ever came in here. Um, and uh, I wonder what it was that made you decide to do that. I wonder what made you decide to come to this church whenever it was the first time. And maybe also, what made you decide to come back if you're not here for the first time? Does that make sense? Some of you may be here for the first time. Wonderful. Um, but just, just have a think about that, and then just turn to the person next to you and just share that with them briefly. What was it that made you decide to come here, or what was it that made you decide to come back about coming here to be church here on a Sunday morning together? I'm not going to ask you to shout them out just for now, uh, otherwise we'll be here all day. Um, But beautifully, that has given me time to get my connectivity issues sorted out here. (laughs) It was in my plan to do that anyway, I'm not just making it up. Uh, But the the latest version of my talk was on my laptop and not on... Oh, never mind, You you don't need to know that, but by the miracle of technology, the correct version of the talk is now on my iPad. I'm so happy. Um, did you enjoy having Crispin here last week? Yeah. Wasn't he great fun? Quite deep and great fun all at the same time. And uh, he's a real blessing to the, to the church at large, actually. We're really, I'm thrilled that he, he could come. Um, it's really great to have him. Today, uh, can you put the first slide up for me? We've been talking about this, leading our community into life. And we've been talking, uh, just to go back from the week before Crispin, We've been talking about trusted rulers, what it means to be a trusted ruler of God, what it wants to be one of God's trusted rulers. People, and, and basically, if you've missed the talks, you can catch up on them. Uh, that means all of us. Um, we've been talking about how God intends us to be people who know our identity, fully know our identity in Christ, who fully know the authority that he gives us, and fully understand the, with clarity the assignment that he's given us to do. And three weeks ago, I shared on this subject that as human beings, we've been made in the image of God to represent him on the earth and to reflect his nature and his character and to extend his kingdom and to move in his power. That's more than just what we do. That's actually who we are. There's a great word which I learned on my theology course called ontology. Ontologically, that means the nature of being, the actual nature of who we are. And this is an ontological statement that we are made in the image of God, that we are made in His authority, and that we've been sent on a mission. And wherever we are, 
whatever we're doing, whatever environment or sphere of influence that he has placed us in, be that at home, in our family, be that in our extended family, be that in our wider community and at work, in our school places, whatever it is, wherever it is that God is placing us, we carry his name and we carry his power. We move in his power and we take that into every situation. Every situation. I wonder how that's working out for us. I wonder how that's working out for you. I wonder what's happened this week. I wonder if something really great has happened. And you've been able to have a sense of being that trusted ruler, moving in God's power. I wonder if something challenging has happened this week. And there is a sense that maybe I didn't quite get there in terms of what I was supposed to do or what I could have done. And if, if we've messed up, that's okay. We're celebrating communion later, and that's a, a, great, a, great thing, a great thing to bring back to God. But it's a challenge to live day to day. Um, Katie, come and share this with us, because... Uh, a team went out treasure hunting yesterday, and they're going again next week. And Katie just said to me, give us, just give us a minute on some feedback from what happened yesterday, and just explain what that is for people who don't know what treasure yeah, hunting is. Yeah, there was um, about seven of us, uh, plus three, sorry, I should say ten of us, including three children, um, went out yesterday uh, treasure hunting, which is basically we took some time to wait on God um, for uh, words, pictures, maybe a name, a condition, a location, what somebody might be wearing. Um, and then we took our clues, which were for our treasure hunt, and we went out into Eastleigh um, and uh, looked for the treasure that God had out there for us to meet. So we met a guy called John, that was one of our names, who was dressed in black, that was another of our clues, who had joint pain. Um, and I think he was a bit shocked, actually. <laughs> um, but we had the opportunity to pray for him. He wouldn't tell us if it got any better. <laughs> um, but he was, um, I think, most particularly um, blown away by the fact that we were insisting that God loved him. And he said, no, God can possibly love him because of all the stuff he's done in his life. And we just persisted in speaking the truth over him that God really is for him and that despite whatever he's done in the past God is for him but it was really really good going with the children we had an age range of five to 79 that's my mother-in-law came along to um so anyone can do it and what was really encouraging was um even people that were not quite on our list because we'd We'd got the list with us. It gave us a boldness to, to approach people we might not have otherwise done. So one of our clues was purple jumper. And the kids were about getting ready to go home. They were slightly fed up. And Sophie, my daughter, said, well, that person's got a purple top. Will that do? Um, so, so we spoke to the lady with a purple top who um, also happened to be called Sophie, um, funnily enough. And she had knee pain. And we got to pray for her too. Um, and she was clearly very touched. So there were no dramatic healings we saw yesterday, but I think we were all really encouraged just to get out there and start engaging with people out and about um, and telling them that God loves them, which came as quite a surprise to several people we spoke to. So. Wonderful. Thank you, Katie. Isn't that brilliant? And there goes, guys are going out again next week, next Saturday at 10 o'clock. So if you want to join in that, that's a really practical way of really enacting this whole trusted rulers thing, getting out there and just literally taking the authority and the identity that's on us and allowing that to influence and uh, to have an impact on others. It doesn't, you don't have to go out doing treasure hunting to do that. That can happen anywhere. And it is a challenge. It can be a challenge to live this out day by day. It's easy to forget who we are or the, the authority that we have. And yet I know that when we do act as the trusted rulers that God's called us to be, 
He's able to unleash power in amazing ways. In communities where that's happened consistently year on year, there is genuine, genuine transformation going on, not just in individuals' lives, but in the city. You know, Mark Marks from Causeway Coast was here a month ago, and he was sharing about how they've seen 2,000-plus people come to faith in their community this year. And Alan Scott, who is the pastor of that church, uh, was writing a blog, and just there's a little quote from his blog He was just commenting on some of the stuff that's been happening. And he said this, One of the questions that I am asked most frequently is, is this revival? My answer is, I don't think so. It's the entirely predictable outcome of relentlessly showing up in the community over years and years. And I mentioned a few weeks ago, I said, actually, what's going on there isn't new. It's just New Testament. It's what God's calling us to do, to go from here and be present in our communities, living as trusted rulers, expectant that he'll make a difference to us. And so if that's the case, question today, why is it that we come to church? If we're expected to live out in our faith in our cities and communities, then what's the church for? It's a great question. And today and next week, I want to sort of explore this. How does being part of a church help us to fully live as the trusted rulers God's called us to be? What does a New Testament community look like? What kind of community is God asking us to build here? And in order to do that, I want us to look at the book of Acts. And you might want to call it up on your Bible. Um, Acts chapter 2. Oh, that's wrong. I don't know why it says 22. That should say 42 to 47. The uh, the numbers have been switched around. Acts 2, 42 to 47. It's a pretty well-known passage, and it's called The Fellowship of the Believers. And I'll just read it to you, just these five verses. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, you may have read that passage a few times. Uh, I don't want to dwell particularly or explore that passage in too much detail. Um, I do want to mention that that word fellowship, it's quite an old-fashioned word, isn't it? Um, it's, it's, it's not a word that necessarily means anything to somebody who hasn't read the Bible or been part of a church um, in today's society. Actually, our official name is Winchester Vineyard Christian Fellowship. But we prefer to use the word church just because it's easier for some people to relate to. But that word fellowship, it means association or communion or companionship or sharing or togetherness. And something about the way the church is together was really distinctive in the early church. And it's really distinctive, actually, in our church. Now, here's just a list of the characteristics that I see in that passage. There is teaching. You know, God's word is central to our faith, and to our community life. There is communion, remembering the fundamentals, as we've sung about in our in various songs this morning about what Jesus did on the cross for us, always bringing us back to that fundamental, central point of history and theology. Okay, and That's what communion is about, and we're going to celebrate that later before the end of this morning. There's prayer, connecting with God. There's signs and wonders, an expectation of the supernatural and the miraculous. There are community relationships. There's caring for those in need. A real Christian, I read this quote, a real Christian couldn't bear to have too much when there are others who have too little. 
And uh, we express that in a number of ways here, not the least through the food store that we launched last week. Um, There was meeting together in public, and there was meeting together in people's homes, a balance of large and small gatherings. And there was eating together, which is a really good way of getting to know people and expressing friendship and intimacy. And there was growing. It seems daily they were growing. Daily God was adding to people, which implies that as well as this wonderful love between them, there was an openness to receiving others into the community. I think you could surmise that, 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 that they were able to somehow avoid the sort of cliqueiness that sometimes comes naturally with any group of people. And these are the essential activities of the early church, and they're well worth reflecting on in their own right, and the principles and the key things going on here. And of course, there are many things that go on in the life of Winchester Vineyard. There are some essential core activities to who we are. And when we uh, do a newcomer's talk, uh, we often have a newcomer's move around at our house, we look at this slide together. We say, how do you get connected to this church? Uh, We say that there are five things that we suggest you do in order to get connected to the church. Those of you who have been to newcomers recently will remember this. And we say that what, what, what the, really there are four things, and then there's this additional one at the end. That the, how you express being part of this church is to come on a Sunday, to join a small group, to help make it happen by joining one of our teams, and to give your money in the way that the Bible teaches. And we also add that if you have left the previous, if you're leaving another local church, we ask you to get the blessing of your previous leader. Now, let me just make an important note about this. Um, this isn't just a tick list which we go around going, mm, have they done that? Tick? No? Ooh, oh, they're in. They're out. That's, we don't go around testing people on this or checking people. This is intended as a guide, a guide to help us understand what it is to be part of the church around here. We don't do any formal membership. We don't make, ask people to sign a dotted line or a theological statement or anything like that. But membership is functional, and this list describes what we suggest that people who've decided to call this their church might be working towards. It's the, the, work, the working towards phrase is important because we know that it's not possible for everyone to do all of these things, and that's okay. Like I said, we're not here to judge. We don't sit in judgment. We don't describe people as members or non-members. You don't have voting rights. It just doesn't work like that. We're a group of people who are simply just trying to follow Jesus better. And this is a guide to how that might look. And I always say this at newcomers' events. So if you are new and this is news to you, just want to say this, if you are on a journey with God, if you are exploring faith, or you are just checking us out, or maybe you're in recovery mode, or you're just not sure what you believe at the minute, then please take your time to engage with the church at the pace which suits you. That's absolutely fine. Even, yeah, if you're convinced, however, that this is the church for you, then I would encourage you to get stuck in, and that's what this might look like. If you've got questions about that, come and talk to us, and we usually do this list and sort of briefly at newcomers, but not in the detail I want to go into over the next couple of weeks, because what I want to do is expand on some of these themes here. I want to take the first two today and the next two next week um, and just explore and try and paint a picture of what the kind of community life looks like. What kind of community life does God have in mind for the believers who follow him, for his trusted rulers? And so let's think first about our Sunday worship gatherings, which obviously we're here right now. Um, the two, there are two verses in that passage I read. They devoted themselves to the teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. And it says also every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. 
Well, here at Winchester Vineyard, this Sunday gathering is one of the main ways in which we're able to express and explore the Bible and our worship together. It's our most public and our most consistent expression of church life. And we work pretty hard to try and hit the different values that are important to us. You know, we want to be God-focused here. We want to be led by the Spirit. We want to allow space for him to move. And at the same time, we want to be welcoming and accessible and sharing vision and sharing life and teaching the Bible. It's quite a major event to make that happen every week. And as you know, there's a workforce of 30 or 35 people every Sunday that come and make this happen for us. I'm going to let you into a secret. Um, a secret that, a question that gets asked among church leaders every now and then. And I've been to a few conferences where they've asked this question. Every now and then a wise church leader will ask themselves this challenging question. Think about your church would you still enjoy coming if they weren't paying you to be there? It's a great question. It forces you to be, to be honest with yourself and reveal. I've asked myself that question a few times, and you'll be pleased to know the answer is a definite yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it here. This is a wonderful church community. The presence of God is tangible. Our worship teams lead us right there. You guys are warm and friendly and loving. And I get to listen to all my favorite preachers. And we explore the Bible together and we work out what it means practically. And the spirit is moving. And people are connecting with God. And if you genuinely are someone who's looking for God, then this is a great place to find him. This is a great place to meet him. Lots of things happen. Lots of dynamics are going on when we meet together on a Sunday. Essentially and fundamentally, we're coming together as a whole community to meet with God. To celebrate what Jesus has done for us. There's a great encouragement in the book of Hebrews. Uh, this is just one of the verses from Hebrews chapter 10, 25. I'm going to read the whole um, passage a bit later on when we come to communion. But it says this, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So that's the last verse of a really inspiring and brilliant passage about coming to Jesus. I think it's really interesting when he says, Let's not give up meeting together and, and I can almost imagine Paul going, as some are in the habit of doing, you know, sort of looking over his glasses at them or whatever. And it's hard to know exactly what that means. I don't know if that means some have simply stopped gathering because they're afraid of being persecuted because that was a genuine threat at the time that this was written. Maybe some have simply drifted away. Maybe some feel don't, don't feel the need to be part of the big gathering anymore. No, nobody really knows what he's getting at. I'd like to surmise, I don't think this is probably in there, but this is just my interpretation. I'd love to imagine that the problem was that people were so excited about living out their faith in their communities and they were so caught up with what God was doing out there that they just forgot to come back to church because they were so busy, engaged with the thing of God. I don't know if that's true. I love it as an idea. But whatever reason, the encouragement is to be active and part of a regular worshipping community. It is theoretically possible to follow Jesus on your own. I think it's really hard to sustain a living faith without being part of a community of believers. And you've heard there's an old story about a pastor who visits his, one of his congregation and uh, the, this guy has stopped coming to church. And uh, so the pastor goes up and visits him and says, so what, why, why, why have you stopped coming to church? And the guy says, well... It's not really happening for me. I, I don't know. Why should I come to church, Pastor? You tell me. Why should I come to church? And the pastor doesn't say anything, but he just reaches, not with his hands, but with a pair of tongs, into the fire 
which is a coal fire, and he literally lifts up one piece of coal and puts it on the hearth. And then they just carry on chatting, and he waits. And obviously what happens is the coal just goes out, loses its passion, loses its heat, loses its intensity. And the, and the metaphor's there, and it speaks for itself. And if we're trying to live, fully live as the trusted rulers that God has made us to be, and it's hard to be empowered to do that unless we're regularly meeting together as with the source of life, with the source of inspiration, with the source of power and the source of vision. And let's just be real for a minute. Sometimes it can be really hard being part of a church. Relationships cannot always be easy. Resolving pain and hurt and misunderstanding sometimes takes a lot of time and effort. And no church is perfect and no leader is perfect. And I'm under absolutely no illusions that Wimvin is the perfect church. I could probably write you a list of a whole bunch of things that I think are not working as well as they could be. And some of you are kind enough to let me know about that sometimes too. (laughs) And usually when people let us know about something like that, usually it's not a surprise. But if it is, we honestly try and take our time to listen and learn. But even if our circumstances make it tricky to be here, when we come to meet God here in this church, we come together. And that's an absolutely essential dynamic. It's it's so essential for our faith. And it's not that the worship services here are any better than any other church. That isn't how it works. We're not not saying that our way of worshipping is better, that we sing better songs or we have a better band or PA or whatever. It's nothing like that. You can meet God in so many different ways. But if you're part of this community, then being together to worship God with us is an essential part of what we do. And we were praying this morning before church, and I just kind of had this picture in my mind of the worship going on in heaven. And you know that worship is going on in heaven all the time. And there's God seated on the throne, and there are the angels worshipping around him. And in my mind, I saw it a little bit like one of those kind of very funky, high-tech, very big control rooms, like a sort of global control room. So there's, there's God, and there's the angels, and then you've sort of got screens all around the room, and beaming in at all different time zones and parts of the day, are all the different worshipping communities around the world. And I imagine there's an angel there with a sort of little talk, walkie-talkie, and, and maybe even God has a, an earpiece in or something, so he's, here's what he's saying. And the angel's going, because that's what they always say, um, Winvin are just coming online. And it's getting close to the time when we come together and God goes, oh yeah, Wimvin, fantastic. And the same happens for all the other churches. I, forgive me, this is just the way my mind works. But, um, but, um, but when we come and worship, God notices. He's with us. And, and we think it's really important, the kind of songs we sing. And it, and it is important to us. But... Um, but actually, he's just looking at our hearts. He's just looking at our hearts. He, d- he sees the heart. And so if you're part of this church, then coming together to worship on a Sunday is just part of what we do. I don't need to tell you that because you're here already, but I thought it would be in- in- useful to learn. The other kind of aspect I want to look at today is just about small groups and community. And again, it says in that chapter every, that every day they met in the temple courts, and it says they also broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And spending time in each other's homes is very much a part of the way that New Testament believers related to one another, and it still is for us. And the whole sharing of food together suggests 
relationships that go a lot deeper than simply just a quick high on a Sunday. We're talking about building friendships that are going to last. Friendships that last are life first. God, had, God designed it that way. And the Bible teaches that as we demonstrate our love for God in the way that we are towards one another, this is a community in which we can make friends who will be life for us, who will walk the journey with us and help us to grow in maturity and in character and faith. Um, our family, Joe and I have some very good friends um, live up near Birmingham. Uh, in the summer of 1995, we got married and we just happened to be sitting in church. Um, it was just a regular Sunday and our friends, um, it turns out, Ian and Jill also got married. Um, she was from Scotland, he was from London. His job was in Birmingham and they moved to Birmingham and they came to our church and they just happened to smile at us and say hello so we invited them to come and sit next to us and um, we've been friends ever since. We have a friendship nearly that lasts, has lasted 19 years and our kids grow up together and, and all of that and uh, it all happened just because we said hello to somebody in church and we got talking to them we thought these people seem nice shall we um, invite them back for lunch and we invite them back for lunch and kind of it went from there. But for some of us uh, making friends like that isn't as straightforward or it doesn't come as easy. And back in August, Anna Payne uh, was teaching us about choosing friends wisely from this book, this verse in Proverbs, he who walks with the wise grows wise. And Anna challenged us to think about our team. In fact, I've nicked one of her uh, slides that she showed then. Uh, it was all about, um, you know, just identifying the kind of people that we were hanging out with. And, uh, and thinking about our circle of friends and looking at where there were possibly gaps. And she challenged us, where have we got gaps in our friendships? And she also talked about the importance of actively pursuing friendships with people who would be a good for us, people who would be a good influence, who would help us grow. Just take a minute to think about how you're doing with that. I wonder if you heard that challenge. I wonder if you thought about that. I wonder how that's going for you. Making friends requires us to be proactive and intentional about relationships. And the truth is, no matter how much we hope and pray, it's very unlikely to happen if we just sit and simply wait for it to happen. We need to do something proactive. And for some of us, that's, that's a tough thing. It can be a real barrier. But by recognizing that and pushing through it, we can get to genuine community, which will be a source of real life for us. So how do we do that? Here's very quickly some practical advice I found on a website called succeedsocially.com. It's, it's, not trying to be, um, it's, not, it's not trying to be funny about this. I thought it was just really helpful, sensible advice on how to get to know people. And it just says this, find some potential friends, meet new people. That might mean doing something out of your routine. And then it says, if you find that you do click with someone, invite them to do something with you. Get their contact details. That was one of the things it said. Make a plan. And, uh, and then once you have started a friendship, keep in touch. Hang out. These, are, these might sound really obvious to some of us, but it's, it's easy, isn't it, to get into a mindset where we think that everyone else is having great relationships and we're the only one who's missing out. And that's not true. Joe and I have had a number of conversations with people in this church over the last few weeks, and months actually, who have shared honestly about what it feels like when you struggle with friendships. There are actually a whole number of, of, of us here who live on our own for whatever reason. 
and who often go home from church on a Sunday lunchtime to an empty house or to no adult company for the rest of the day. And one of the things that those people shared with us, and they were really honest to share, was the perception that as they leave, they have this perception that they are the only ones and that everyone else in the church has a wonderful family or wonderful friends and they've just got loads of people to hang out with and the only person who's feeling low and lonely is me. And I've had several people tell me that, so it can't be true. It can't be true that they're the only person. It often isn't the truth either. You know, if you've got a family, maybe you feel as you leave, you've got to get the kids sorted on their homework, you've got to clean the house and dig out some food and get ready for the week ahead. Well, certainly if you're in our family, that's kind of how it, how it can work. But it's easy, how, it's easy to see how it can feel that way. And back in June, um, Angela Denner, who's part of this church, she's over in America for the year, but she reflected on this issue and she shared very candidly with us that as a single girl, she sometimes really struggled with this perception that being married was the ideal life. And being single was really tough and that married people didn't have any problems whatsoever. She, she was honest enough to share with us that she, as she'd shared this with married people, she had discovered that, funnily enough, it wasn't actually true, and that often they also had unfounded perceptions of what it was like to be single. And the truth is that for all of us, it's really important to recognize the barriers that can stop us pursuing meaningful and God-inspired friendships. If we can recognize them, we can push through them and grow. We had some friends um, in, our, uh, in our previous church, and uh, when they first arrived in church, um, you know, they kind of stuck around and we were just, they were around and we were getting to know them. We thought, well, better invite those guys over for a meal at some point. And, and then Joe found out that he used to be a chef. And so um, it wouldn't have bothered me, but for some reason this was Joe's department. I mean, I would have just given him a spag ball or whatever, but, um, but, but Joe decided that that was quite intimidating to invite a chef for a dinner. And she spent about two months faffing around trying to think, well, what can I cook for this guy? Like... Anyway, when eventually she did get around to inviting him over, he came over. One of the first things he said was, oh, thanks so much for having us over. Do you know what? People, nobody really invites us over because they hear that I'm a chef and they get really scared about it. And Joe went, really? (laughs) But wouldn't wouldn't it be great today if we simply opened our eyes to those? Ask God to open our eyes to those around us. I wonder who you know in church today who might be going back to an empty house. Or I wonder if it's possible for us to stretch our lunch today. Or maybe if that doesn't work, invite someone over for a cup of tea later or just a walk or maybe just to come and watch X Factor or Downton with us later on. In our family, we've had a real privilege of being able to open our home up at different times in our lives to people to come and live with us who just haven't had anywhere else to live. It's not always easy. It's not always easy sharing your space with someone who... Lives, does things slightly differently to you. But, we've, uh, but we found that with those challenges, there are also great benefits. And we have, uh, for our kids and for us, and we have a number of people around the country who um, we just have a little, sort of kind of special relationship with because they lived with us for a season. And um, that can be a great blessing. And I think that's part of being a loving community. There is a verse in Psalms that says, God puts the lonely in families. I think as a community, we're called to work out how to live that out. So I'd really want to encourage you to think on that today. I think God's trusted rulers, I think for God's trusted rulers, that's something that we we know and we're aware of. And just lastly, to comment on the life groups, because one of the fantastic things, oh, I found this as well. That's a simpler way of saying everything I've just said. (laughs) Um, One of the fantastic things about life groups in the church 
is that for those of us who engage, they provide a great place to start getting to know people. The people that you meet in life group are probably going to share similar beliefs and are probably going to be committed to growing in their faith too. Now let's be real. Not everyone in life group is going to become your best and most intimate friend. And most people, realistically, only have that kind of real close relationship with two or maybe three people. We're unlikely to find ourselves, ourselves sharing our deepest, darkest secrets with the whole of a group. But by committing to do the journey with a community of people for a season, all of whom are pursuing similar goals, all of whom are trying to grow in their faith and grow in relationship, then it's much more likely that we're going to meet with one or two people who we really can click with, people who we really can share life with. One of the most beautiful things about life groups are the way in which time again, a group of people can provide support and love for someone in the group who's in real need. And it works both ways. We have seasons of being supported and we have seasons of giving support to others. And through all of those seasons, we grow. But we won't if we're not there. And I hear this story from life groups all the time. I heard it from one of the life group leaders last week. Just, it's a common story. It goes something like this. This person came into our small group and they initially were very quiet and very perhaps nervous and a little bit overawed by the group and didn't really feel very confident to share and didn't contribute very much. And yet, as time went on and they started to get to know people in the group, their confidence began to grow. They started to share their lives and get involved. And then they started to step out of their comfort zone and grow a bit. And now everyone can see how those people have grown quite significantly. I've heard that story in different forms a number of times because the truth is most transformation happens incrementally. Now, yes, there are dramatic encounters with God sometimes and something really shifts, and that's wonderful when that happens and we embrace that. But most of the time, transformation happens a little bit at a time. The Holy Spirit works and we show up and we're consistent and the Holy Spirit comes and we try and respond to what God's saying. And we look back and go, wow, look, we've grown. Or other people come to us and say, hey, you've really really changed. It's in that consistent togetherness that we grow to become fully the trusted rulers that God's called us to be. And every group in the church needs to have an outward edge, be it an inward-focused group or an upward-focused group or whatever it is, where we're at least, at the very least, praying for our friends who don't know Jesus, socialising or serving our communities. And, you know, the different groups in this church have all sorts of different creative ways to do that. But that keeping that outward-focused edge is part of growing, and that can happen brilliantly in small groups. Now, there can be a tension in small groups because, you know, there is, there is the whole let's build genuine community and become real friends as over Let's stay open to receiving new people into the group and and let's keep the outward focus, make sure it doesn't slip away. But that's the kingdom. That's what we read was happening in Acts 2.42. Every day, God is adding people. Every day, God is adding people. And yet, they've got the kind of love and fellowship where they're able to share their possessions and make sure that nobody is in need. So in summary, uh, we've looked at sort of the big and the small versions of church today. Why we meet in large groups and why we meet in small groups. And we need both to function really well in order to really grow and fully function as a church. Trusted rulers know their need for community and they actively build 
community around them and where they are. Now, I assume that because you're here already, that you do come regularly on a Sunday. But maybe God wants to talk to you about that. Or maybe God wants to talk to you about being one of the 35 people or so each week that helps make Sunday happen. What about small groups, though? What about friendships? What steps is God actively asking us to take to pursue friendships? Where are our friendship gaps? What kind of groups do we need to be getting involved with? I'm just going to allow us a minute just to think quietly and ponder on that and just ask the Holy Spirit to come and then we're going to get ready to share communion. And next week, I'm going to talk about serving, being on a team, and I'm going to talk about giving. So you might want to leave your wallets at home next week. Um, But let's just invite the Holy Spirit to come. In fact, why don't we do this? Why don't we all stand just to... uh, to sort of take an active stance. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you and we thank you for your presence here. Thank you for your presence here. And Lord, you know that we just love to meet with you and we love to be here. Holy Spirit, come and speak to our hearts. And if there are challenging questions for us at this point, just drop those into our How do you want us to grow? What steps do you need us to take next? Holy Spirit, we want to look to you. Look to you for inspiration. This is all about you. So just come, we pray. You guys are going to lead us in a song. As they do that, I wonder if the people who happen to serve communion can come up. And let's just stay engaged in God's presence. This whole communion thing, it's... It's an extension of our worship. It's all about meeting with God in this place. Guys, where do you need us? If you are coming to help serve communion, perhaps you can just meet me over here. you mm-hmm.